Full transparency. I understand the world better than anyone. There's sounds in the sky. The rapture is coming. Yeah. There's lizard people out there. We had a shop in Mormon when we lived in Mormon. Our family was in Mormon. Full fists are swinging by my face. I'm like, and then he would just kind of go on these little rants or tangent, tangent, whatever the word is. Nothing that's great in life is is easy, you know? Yeah. There's a nice quote that I feel like you're on your way to say. <laughs> do you know what would be fun to do? What? Uh, it's been a while since we've actually been in the Mindful Ninjas podcast studio. Been we a long time. After this, we have two more podcasts before the, the year end. It'd be fun to like, whether it's right before Christmas or right before New Year's, to uh, have a have a whiskey, maybe get a little little fucked up, maybe you know take a couple puffs. Maybe for the even, podcast? Yeah, and just sit at the table. And, and I was thinking like, not we don't have to, but even just to have, like I was just picturing on the drive here to have even like Raheem or somebody and and, and not even like a podcast guest, like we're going to interview and talk, right. but just literally hang out, have a drink yeah. and just set the mic up and just be like, look, you don't even have to say shit if you want. Let's right. just, let's hang out. I'd be a hundred percent down. Although I'm yeah. not going to smoke any weed. Yeah. I realize that weed and podcasting for me isn't the thing. Really? Yeah. I would <laughs> smoke a cigar and have a few drinks though. Yeah. I'm a very, like, I'm already, I don't want to say anti-social, but I'm, when I smoke, I'm anti, I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. Including you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm very like, uh, it's a nighttime thing for me. Like I'm winding down. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard enough to podcast. Why make it harder, I suppose? Eh? Yeah. But yeah, I would, I'd be so down, man, to have, I, like I said, I've been craving a cigar and even like, I don't know, something on the rocks. That'd yeah. be a fun podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, we'll have to do yeah, that. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe next week. We'll see if we're feeling it. Maybe the week after, but yeah, we'll see what's up. Um, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Let's go. Um, you want to have kids one day, right? Yes. When you were younger, I don't even know, I'm not even given age, but just like when you were younger, your childhood, did your parents ever like make you do a particular thing that was like tangible, like, um, like go to church every Sunday or get nineties, uh, in school? Like, was there anything that they kind of like, were like almost forcing you to do? Like, did they have requirements for you or was, do you recall any, anything like that? We went to church for a little while, but we stopped going when I was still pretty young. Um, I would say like chores, you know, like we had to help right. out, had to help with dishes, okay. had to, had to kind of do our part around the house, but there was never a benchmark for a number of, you know, of grades you had to accomplish or right. we didn't have to do sports. Okay. Um, yeah. Besides like help out and do chores, I can't, I can't really think of anything. If or when you have kids, is there anything that you would make them do? Like, is there anything in, that you can think of that you were like, hey, you, if, this is required to be a part of this family? I have, I have not thought that far yet. I haven't thought about it too much. I just wrote it down this morning. Yeah. I just was like, what are three things that like in my head I think would be like a, what do they call it? Like a prerequisite or something like I mm -hmm. just something that you would have to do for me to be comfortable with you, like existing in this world. I don't know. Um, I want, I was thinking about this. I want to try to lead by example. Like I'd love my kids to read. I think learning is everything. So I need to, I need them to see me reading. Yeah. I don't want to be the parent that's like 
okay, you need to read, you need to read. And then they just see me watching Netflix every night. Right. So I want to see, I want them to see me reading. I want them to see me doing my part, like chores around the house. Right. Um, this and that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see what, what you've thought about. So there's, there's three things that came to my mind this morning that I wrote down. Um, one was a blue belt in jujitsu. The world's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I would be like, I'd be a little bit freaked out if I knew that my kids were out and about and they had zero idea of co- physical confrontation and they had zero idea how to defend themselves in those situations. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just like a, a police officer in, in some areas, how, um, the, that Gracie Academy is like paying for them to get their blue belt and then, mm-hmm. then it stops, but at least it gives them that base. I feel like if I had kids, whether they wanted to or not, I was thinking like, you might just have to, you like, this is required to be a part of this household until you're old enough to go out and do your own thing. But in my head, I was like, that's something that I think is very important. Mm-hmm. Just like a education. I think physical education and how to defend yourself yeah. is important. So that was the one thing I thought. And they'd about. probably thank you for that later. That's just it. I think they would hate me at the beginning if they weren't into it. Yeah. They'd be like, "Fuck! Like, why is Dad making me do yeah. this shit?" Yeah. See, I'm def- just because it's so intertwined into my life. I'm definitely gonna um, get my kids into jujitsu, whether they like it or not. That's not up to me. I right. hope they do, but they're definitely gonna try it. Right. Yeah. So that was yeah the one one thing that I thought about. Uh, second thing was some form of. Uh, Toastmasters or some kind of communication, sales, something that gets them very comfortable with expressing their thoughts, ideas, Mm -hmm. and just having a voice in this Mm -hmm. world. And I think like Toastmasters would probably be a pretty good thing for that. Um, Just for like confidence. I don't want them to be shy. I know how much anxiety I had in social settings. Like bro, even last night I was telling you I went with Aaron's, uh, Aaron's friends had us over for like a little Christmas thing. I had to have one shot, I had a shot and a half. I get anxiety. It's like, uh, like when you say I have to, you you felt the that you needed to just to like get to baseline and be comfortable and just to like socialize. yeah, just yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I kind of get like anxious when I think about going in groups of more than three people, especially that you don't know that well, right? And so like I I I feel like that would be something that I would really want out of my kids. Blue belt in jujitsu. Do one course or one training thing with Toastmasters, and then I'll I'll back off and do whatever you want. And what's the third thing? Dance. I feel like, and this is maybe maybe not necessarily if it was a female, it might change. I'm I'm more thinking like just because I'm a guy, I know what I went through. I, I think a lot of men get very uncomfortable in a dance setting. That's me. <laughs> yeah, do all, most of us. Yeah. And I feel like that would be a really good way to just be confident in yourself. Um, not rely on just getting hammered just to dance. Like mm, how many of yeah. us got black blacked out drunk just so that we could dance with a girl, you yeah. know, you go to the bar and you're just drinking to like stuff your feelings and yeah. you know, insecurities, insecurities. And, and then maybe you'll go dance. So blue belt toastmasters and dance mm-hmm. those three things got to do it. Or you can get out of my house. <laughs> that's, that's smart though. Like I, like I would be thanking my parents now if I did that as a kid, right. even if I didn't understand it at the time. But that's the interesting thing about having a kid. From your perspective, it almost seems like, you know, we, we go through the trials and error of life and then we bring a new life into this world and it's like, okay, let's, 
I want them to know what I didn't know and I wish I would have known. Right. So you get to not live through your child, but it's like, hey, I wish I would have known more about finances or been right. a better speaker or knew how to deal with bullies better. And then you can, yeah, show your kids those ropes that you didn't have. Right. And I remember my dad was always, he would say that to me, like the whole goal of parenting was for his kids to be better than he was. You know, it's like Bill Burr had a joke about that. And I, I won't say the joke, but it was basically like his grandpa was super racist. His dad was a little less racist. Bill Burr's like a little less racist. Like it, <laughs> it almost just keeps yeah, yeah. getting better. You got to get better and better, right? Yeah. Like most people back then, you might have been racist. It's kind of the norm. Yeah. But I think when you keep, like when you have kids, you just want them to be better than you were. So whatever your faults or weaknesses were, if you can try to nip that in the butt and give them those as strengths early on, 100%. then they'll be that much better. Yeah. On that note of putting your kids in, in martial arts, um, Boss Rutan, I thought, found this pretty interesting. He said, if you're like a super chill, you know, relaxed, contained person, kickboxing or like striking would be good for you to do, like something explosive with striking. Whereas if you're kind of a hothead, maybe you have ADD and you have like high energy jujitsu might be the balance for you. That's mm. something that's calm and you know, you need to develop patience and control to kind of mellow your personality a little bit. And, um, you know, like you could argue both ways, but right. for you example, like you're a very contained, relaxed, calm person for the most part. Right. But it's almost like you need that outlet of like smashing pads and, yeah. um, and, and I do too, you know, cause I'm kind of the chill type person, but right. for, for whatever reason, jujitsu resonates with me as well. Mm. But, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on like your personality. Exactly. That would kind of help dictate what kind of sport or martial art to get into. Yeah. So he was talking because mm. that's what Patrick bet David was asking boss is, you know, my kids are like this, like, what should I put them in? And he was saying, right. if they have this personality, you should do this. Oh, if they have this personality, you should do this. Huh? So I guess for balance, you know? Yeah. And that's what I was wondering too. I mean, like some people listening are probably parents and I don't, I don't, I'm not a parent, so I don't really know. I don't know if like, can you, you can, I guess you can do whatever you want, but it's like, can you, can you just make your kids do shit at, at a certain age? Like, I feel like that's your job. Like, yeah. like, like with a dog, they're, they're usually looking for a pack leader. They want someone to lead them. And with a child, like sometimes too many options is too many options. They don't know what to do. They don't, they can't think for themselves. Maybe they don't know themselves. So I wonder at what age you're just like, look, you're just doing this for sure. It's your job as a parent to do that to some extent. Yeah. Know? Um, and this is going to tie into something cause I'm, you know, this, I don't know, maybe I'm sure like women would maybe have different things that they would want their kids to do versus what the man might want their kids to do. But I was listening to this podcast with Mark Leda. I don't know how to say it. Do, do you hear that one by chance? The homeless? He did like homeless documentaries? Yeah, Soft White Underbelly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm listening to this guy talk. And yeah, his, his name's like Mark Leda. But anyway, he, he came from, he had an advertising background, like really high-end professional advertisement. And he said it was very kind of phony. Like it would almost make, it wasn't reality. And so he went the total opposite direction and started filming and documenting and interviewing homeless people on Skid Row and a lot of other like really rough places. Can like, I ask you something real quick? Yeah. Have you ever seen any of them? The, yeah. His YouTube uh, no, videos? No, I haven't. So 
and sorry to interrupt. I'll no, let no you Get back to it. But I seen he was on the podcast, but I've been watching his videos way prior, like mm. like for quite a while, and not like recently, but. I used to watch a ton of them, and they're fucking phenomenal. Interesting. We'll talk okay. about them after you've done this. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, so anyway, this guy's he's done, I think he said roughly 5,000 interviews with homeless people that were just living on the streets, on drugs, off drugs, whatever their story was. He interviewed roughly 5,000 people. He said 99% of the people he interviewed that were homeless did not have fathers. And I was like, man, that's, that's intense to like, that's a very clear statistic of what happens when you're missing either the father or maybe the mother. I'm sure there's different, like, um, like different shit happens when you don't have the, maybe the more feminine energy. Cause I feel like a mother couldn't she can't do both. She can't be like the feminine rock and the masculine, just like the father couldn't be the masculine and the feminine. You almost need both to be raised. Yeah. But I was like, man, that is a very high percentage of people that um, like failed at life because they didn't have a father figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I was like thinking yeah. about like, I wonder if that a part of like the father's role or the masculine role, I should say is like that discipline part to give them structure. And that's why I was thinking like, what are three things to kind of help that kid at an early age, like develop some of those good skills mm. that may, they might not have had. Yeah. Like that's fucked up, man. Like if father's kind of an authority figure for a small kid growing up, it's like you, you need the, the boss of you, someone you're kind of intimidated of, of like, you know, can't screw up right. dad's house, you know, or, right. or again, if you're, Maybe a, a lesbian couple, like the the masculine. the masculine parent, like I can't, like they're the authority figure. I got to be careful. You yeah, know? you kind of need that, like hold the reins on you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just the the discipline side of things, you know, yeah. where it's like the feminine might be a lot more nurturing, and you don't always need the nurturing. Obviously, you need nurturing, but like not all the time. I think a father figure would be good at you know teaching respect to the right. kid. Right, right. You know, there you, I could think of some of these type people that grew up without a father and they, they don't even respect themselves because they don't understand the concept of like respect in, in, in a way. Right. And it, and it's crazy because I, you know, he's interviewing all these people and he said most of them were for, for one, obviously they didn't, they didn't have fathers. Um, but he said also a lot of them were sexually assaulted. And so they did, they, they develop like addictions early on. They just get addicted to shit, whether it's drugs, fucking porn, food, whatever. They just get highly addicted to things. But he said another case is that people can get addicted to exercise. That's the best case scenario. Like a Bradley Martin grew up without a father. He got addicted to yeah. progress, exercise, accomplishments. And it was just like, she was just trying, like that was his addiction. He's Comes lucky. It from was, trauma, but at least it's productive. Exactly. Like at least it wasn't drugs. Cause yeah. I'm sure that same personality type, wherever they point that energy Identical. towards, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like a David Goggins, that guy's not right in the head. He's just lucky. He was running that he got obsessed 100%. with hundred percent. Like if that guy got a hold of a crack pipe, <laughs> yeah, he'd be a different David Goggins. Crazy, eh? Could you imagine David Goggins and like in one of those interviews? <laughs> You'd be like, man, this guy is insane. He'd probably be dead by now because he's the guy that takes it to that. Like, he has the world record for crack smoking. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, it's wild. Fastest heart attack. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, these videos. It's um, you'll see it on YouTube if you type in "soft white underbelly," but they're just like a black and white photo of the person's face who he's interviewing and it'll be anywhere from i don't know like 10 to 40 minutes but 
it's just this person, all the video is, is this person there sitting on a stool in his studio and he just asks them questions and they talk and it's prostitutes, pimps, pedophiles, coal mine workers, bums, heroin addicts, just all types of people. And it, it initially drew me in because I'd see the picture of this like fucked up person with tattoos on their face. I'd be like, what the fuck? What's this about? And he just asked them about their childhood and how, why they are where they are now. And you know, just what their day to day is like. And a lot of these people, like you see, they're all like, you see that they're humans, but you see how flawed they are, right. like just their way of thinking. And it's just what they've grown into. You know, it's just a lack of a proper upbringing. And he tries to see the good in people. And I think he mentioned it on there. I started listening to the first little bit about how he's tried to help people and they, they just all take advantage of him. Yeah. There's this one sex worker girl who's like affiliated with like a crip gang and she's like a prostitute, whatever. And he gave her money. He gave her like 500 bucks to like help her. I think he might've even put her in an apartment and he found out shortly after that she was just giving the money to her pimp. Who's like this gang Jeez. member guy and, um, just like abusing drugs. And she would just give the money away because she doesn't have control over her life. Right. Like she's being pimped out. Right. So, so he brought her back and kind of confronted her. He's like, so I found out you did this. Like, like why? Like I'm trying to help you this and that. And she just doesn't have much to say. Cause she just doesn't know any better. And she's probably terrified. Yeah. Like the, I'm sure like that pimp life is pretty abusive. Yeah. Like if your girl is not paying you the fee that you require, require of her, you're probably just going to beat the shit out of her. Oh yeah. It's just fear. It was, yeah. Exactly. And you can see this kind of like deadness behind their eyes of like, like, I don't have these emotions that a normal person right. has, you know, and you can just look through them and just see emptiness. And it's just fast. It's fascinating. What I love though, like clearly he's good at his job because he said, he's like, I don't care who I'm interviewing. If I judge a pedophile while interviewing them, mm -hmm. I will not get the answers that I want, which means the public doesn't get to tap inside the mind of a pedophile and what makes a pedophile. Mm. Like I want to find out what makes these people tick so that the world can understand how to avoid those trappings. Like if I interviewed a crackhead or a pedophile, like, look, obviously pedophile is they're scum of the earth. That's the worst thing you could possibly do. But wouldn't we want more information of how to stop that behavior? Exactly. So the less, the less judgment, the more people would open up. So he's like, whether I'm interviewing Donald Trump, uh, some CEO millionaire, a crackhead, a prostitute, he's like, you're all getting the same treatment from me. No judgment. Mm -hmm. I'm just asking you questions, black and white, and that's it. And I was like, that's a, that's a good way to go about it. And see, think about being introspective and self-aware. He understood that his strength was people trust him. He gets along with all types of people. He's, he comes off as very non-judgmental. So what a, there's no better thing for him to do than be in that role where he right. gets to talk to these crazy people that most of society wouldn't trust. Right. But also what's interesting about the whole, the whole thing that he's doing is he came from that advertising life where the mission is to, to sell the lifestyle. You know, you're, you're, you're doing up an advertisement, a commercial for a pharmaceutical brand. You want to sell how happy and positive and fluffy life could be with this pill. And that's what he did for decades. And then now he's showing the other side of society and how 
dark humanity is and how dark people's lives actually are that you might just see walking down the street. So he's like on both spectrums right. of, of humanity and it's just interesting how that worked out for him. Yeah. And you know, it was crazy. So I, as I'm listening to that podcast and I'm hearing some of the stories of these people that are living on the streets and doing the interviews, I, I'm like, how have not more of them committed suicide? Like that popped into my head because Twitch just recently committed suicide. I don't know if you heard about that. Or I was, you know Twitch. That was something I was going to bring up. Okay. So I, it, it, man, it just, it boggles my mind. Like when people like this guy interviewing these homeless people are literally living in the gutter doing fentanyl, heroin, like every drug you, they can get their hands on, they're doing it. They're broke. They have no friends. Nobody trusts them. They don't trust the other people. Like you have nothing going for yourself and you're still alive. And they're just what living you, off instant gratification. Like they don't think about tomorrow. Right. Like every day is just a battle and a struggle. It's like, how have you not ended it yet? Yeah. And then you see a guy like Twitch. He was on the Ellen show for 10 years. He won so you think he can dance. He's done everything possible in the dance community like and and beyond multi-millionaire three beautiful children beautiful wife i saw i followed him on tiktok forever they always do these amazing dances together it looked like he was the rock of that family when you think of mental health he's the opposite this is like the benchmark of the happiest life when right. you look at this guy's social media page yeah yeah, and I and man, I you you know I was into so you think you can dance. See, I was going to ask you, did you know this guy? Because <sighs> yep. I'd never heard of him until I seen Aubrey make his post on my friend Twitch right. killed himself. So I looked at his page and I was like, this guy, dude. I've 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 known that about Twitch for years. Like when I was obsessed with so you think you can dance, he was he was the guy on there, and Aaron too. Like she was like, yeah, I used to be obsessed with him. Like the guy was just a phenomenal dancer, and he just seemed so well put together and happy and. He had everything. It just shows you social media profiles mean nothing on how somebody is doing. Look at this. Is it Steven Twitch boss or yeah. Stefan? Steven Twitch oh, I boss. I don't know. How do you pronounce it? Artist, call. husband, father, son, brother. He calls himself in two words, smile spreader. Right. You look at his profile. It's all dancing. Beautiful wife, beautiful children. Yeah. He's just happy. Positivity. Bro. Like he's impacted so many people's lives and it just, it's crazy. Hey, like the people that shine the brightest are usually shining the brightest cause they're dark inside. Mm, like yeah. I, I feel like, um, like a Robin Williams, right? Like he's, he's making the world laugh cause he knows inside there's something in there that's just dark. So he's like pu putting out light and he, everyone's like, Oh, look how happy and funny and friendly this guy is. But inside it's like, he's dying inside, but he's just trying to help the world. So does that mean that the most socially miserable people are just blissful inside, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just happy? I know, eh? Well, I think it just shows you that people put masks on. Yeah. You never, you can never tell what is truly going on in somebody's life. And Erin and I were talking about this yesterday. She said she heard somebody talk about um, Twitch and just suicide in general. And you know, like a lot of people when they die, like the queen, it's like people don't want to say anything bad about them. Once you pass, you just like, oh, they were just the best person ever. They never did anything wrong. And this girl was just saying like, look, I like Twitch is obviously a, he's done so much good, but like in her mind in this, whoever, I'm not sure who it was, but she was just saying like, what a, what a selfish act. Like that is like the definition of selfishness to like remove yourself because you're in pain. So you just off yourself 
but now the burden is on your family. Like you literally just dumped all of more shit onto your family. But then I said to Aaron, like it could also be viewed from Twitch's mind as a selfless act. Maybe in his mind, like he was clearly depressed, no hope. Maybe he thought he was weighing his family down. Maybe he thought that him ridding himself of, uh, of the world or like getting uh, killing himself, maybe his family would do better and flourish. Like you just don't know what's going on in their head. So it could be viewed as like selfless or selfish. It, I, it just shows me how little I truly understand about mental health and about um, what, what people go through because it just, I, I tend to think it's more selfish because of course your family doesn't want you to kill yourself and leave them alone. Of right. course they don't. But I just, I don't understand it enough to have too much of a comment on it because fortunately I've never had these suicidal thoughts, these thoughts of like, of course we all feel a bit depressed now and then we don't have happy, blissful days all the time. But to go to that extent when you're that well accomplished, you have that much love and support in your life. And it just, I don't get it, man. You know, what's interesting. I heard this guy say this the other day. He said something that is common amongst all like highly successful people like Twitch is that it's a contradicting thing. So two things. One, they think that they're special. Two, they constantly have imposter syndrome. So they think they're destined for great things. And yet as they're creating a great life for themselves, they never feel like they belong. So you see this guy Twitch who is like rising above like 0.001% of dancers made it to where he, he was. And yet something was still not right. It's like, he still maybe felt like he's like, doesn't deserve this. Like what is happening? I'm tricking the world. I'm really not that good. Even though I'm on the Ellen show, even though I won. So you think you can dance. And it's like this weird um, battle in your head of like, I'm destined for great things. Like I'm, I'm going to do all this great shit. And yet I don't belong. I don't deserve this. And so, yeah, he kind of talked about like just this clash in your own head of like a lot of these successful people. So, cause, um, Twitch, apparently the Ellen show had just got canceled and this is all, I'm maybe I shouldn't be talking about it, but we're just talking freely. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, obviously, but, um, his show with Ellen, I guess got kind of canceled. Like maybe it just, for whatever reason, just ran its course. I think he was there for 10 years. Maybe like the, the impact of like having that gone just, crushed him or something like you know it's like when it's almost like did you, did you see the video of andrew schultz and you heard the podcast with the liver king right i loved what andrew schultz said to liver king he said you're you're attaching your self-worth to you lifting heavy shit twice a week mm-hmm. or twice a day like he's a guy i don't I don't bench press. So what does that make me like mm-hmm. you're, you keep thinking that to be a man or to be alpha, you have to lift heavy shit. He's like, maybe not. Maybe just be a good dad that day. Like, exactly. did yeah. you, did you provide for your family? Were you kind to people? And I wonder how much like these like top 0.1 percenters are attaching their self-worth to being on the Ellen show to winning. So you think you can dance. And if you don't accomplish these incredibly great things, are you just worthless in your head? It's like your standards are set so high. Yeah. See, it's just, he has 4 million followers on Instagram. There's, I look at that and I think there's no way money is an issue for you. 
even if you like you won so you think you can dance even if the ellen show's gone like this guy is, has connections with michelle obama like you you name it he has all the connections yeah he has all this love he's put out all this good energy money isn't an issue it, it couldn't be an issue for him at this point in his life so he's got the loving perfect family he's got the the the, the comfort of life and finances like that's what I don't understand is how you could still feel so empty. Um, it's just mind boggling. I mean, it remind it doesn't, it's like the, the liver King. It's like he, he was a very successful person before all this. And then he like went on, you know, became the liver King that we know, but it was almost like out of an insecurity. Like that guy was clearly sauced to the gills. Like yeah. he's like kind of like protecting him, his ego from something or his insecurities by like calling everyone else, um, subprimal and lying to people. And I don't know. It's just intra. Yeah. And think about the liver King thing. He's saying to all of his loyal fans and followers, you like you can never be me because you don't know the secret to why I look how I look. Right. Like I'll sell you all these products, I'll tell you about the ancestral tenants and the diet, but you'll never feel good enough because secretly, like you don't know this you don't know the secret to why I look the way I do. Right. I feel like fame is a very tricky thing to manage. Some people have been great at it. Joe Rogan's a perfect example. He knows how to navigate through it and stay human. Yeah. But fame for some people seems like such an empty pursuit. Yeah. And once you get there, you you kind of lose your identity a little bit. Man, I was thinking about that yesterday. Aaron and I were talking about that, like we because we brought up Joe Rogan as well, and like love love Rogan or hate him, the way he handled his two cancellations, the the um the one where they they made the compilation of him saying the n word, like man, the whole world knows who Joe Rogan is. When that video came out, like, could you imagine the feeling you would get? Like, knowing you're not a racist, but you definitely said some shit you shouldn't have said. And somebody made a perfectly packaged video of you saying that. And now it's all over the so internet. For him to handle it the way he did, to make a genuine apology, to address it right away, and then back off and continue living his life. What other celebrity would have handled it that way? They either yeah. would have just stopped doing what they're doing and just backed away for three years. Yeah, like Logan Paul, right when he got canceled for, um, he made a joke about people hanging themselves in that Japan forest or something Suicide like that. Side forest. Or yeah. Something. It's like, he was like out of the picture for three years, you know, maybe rightfully so, but Rogan was like, look, I fucked up. Like, here's why I like, mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you just kept going and you're like, man, you got some skin. Yeah. Like you got some tough skin to handle the millions of dollars coming away, the million of pe millions of people hating you, loving you just to handle that man. See, he knows who he is and he is very grateful for all the blessings in his life. And he doesn't, he doesn't let life take, like he, he's very grounded, you know, like he doesn't yeah. just flow in the wind of life and let people say this and like, right. he's just like, look, you know, he does seem pretty grounded, eh? Yeah. Because it's got to be, um, you know, Aaron said it yesterday, like, just with fame and, and being so successful, like, it's it's almost one, it's almost like a curse in some ways. Like, that's why the simple life can be so appealing to some. It's like, man, I don't even want that. Like, who is that guy from the Full Send podcast who just recently sold his shares? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, can, that, I can see his face. Yeah. Like that guy, Jesse? Yeah, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that guy probably saw something where he's like, man, I, I can't keep up with this. This life is exhausting. And that was it for him, the lifestyle. Yeah. And so he, he sold his shares, and now he's not the famous... He's, he's not, not even on social media, I don't He's think. not even on social media, and he's probably happy as shit. Well, you so, hear a lot of famous, ultra-famous people say that. It's like, I, I would... I would trade this all if for for nobody to know me and me to just like work a job and right. like, you know have a normal life and it's crazy man hey and it just it's one of those things where I'm sure we all do it a little bit but you you go online and you get maybe jealous you think the grass is greener you want what they have but it's like do you want what Twitch had do you want to live in hell all eyeballs on you like like he was clearly living in hell clearly right like it's what you see is not what's actually happening. And and who knows if um, he's living in hell or if he's good 90% of the time, but when the 10% right. days come, it's darker than you could ever imagine kind of That's thing. That's probably more so because clearly like he's, he looks very happy in a genuine way in most of those videos. Yeah. Like when he's dancing with his kids and shit and his wife's there, like you're just like, fuck, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was like an extreme when he's happy super happy but when he's sad super sad super dark you know as whereas some people might be a little more flatlined he felt everything to the extreme you know i've never crazy man i've never um i've never wanted fame i've always wanted the money i I don't want the fame you know like a lot of kids it's kind of that ultra fantasy of like being famous right all eyes on me like people to know me but it's a heavy burden man. yeah yeah heavy where's the crown what's that saying i'm not sure heavy something where's the crown yeah it's like with this whether you're a king you know marcus aurelius or something or emperor or just a really famous person you think it's all well and good but man just the weight and the burden and the pressure maybe maybe that's it the pressure you win so you think you can dance you're on ellen's show your numbers are growing more, your stock's constantly growing. And it's like, what else do I have to do to be, to, to get better? Right. Like maybe it's like, you feel like you're drowning. Cause it's like, I need to keep improving or like, I need more accolades or I need this. Or you just feel like overwhelmed by the pressure to keep up to what right. you've been doing. Like, I, I don't know, man. It's interesting. eh? Yeah. Um, I got one other thing and then I'll, I'll, put the ball in your court okay um this is a little bit unrelated but I, I i literally just watched it right before this so i wanted to bring it up i thought it was cool um logan paul has been kind of annoying me lately but whatever we're, we're just people sometimes you love him sometimes you hate him but mike malik i've i've really just been enjoying him again he's he was a, a junkie heroin addict living under a bridge rough upbringing um, but I've really come to enjoy him. I've, he's the, kind of the older one in the podcast. He's got a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more calm, cool, and collected. But anyway, he's got a YouTube channel, really successful one, and he and I, it's really entertaining. And it's Christmas, and so he was talking about. He's like, I don't give a shit if you do something really nice and you film it for content. He's like, I don't give a shit. He's like, I would encourage it. The amount of like dark shit that we see on the news or online, he's like, I, I think that we should just be putting out positive shit, even if it's on film. But anyway, so it's it's holidays, so they're dressed at him, Logan, and Logan's girlfriend are dressed in Santa Claus suit, and they got a, a, a bag full of cash, and they're going to go around handing it out to people and making people's day for the holidays. And... These YouTubers, Logan Paul, Mike, and the girlfriend, they go around, they're they're talking to people, and they're, they got their 
cameraman there. They're filming it. And Logan Paul, love him or hate him, I love what he did here. They're filming their interactions with people in the public and they're like thinking about giving them money and seeing what if they're the right candidates for money yeah, right they don't want to yeah. give it to just wealthy people yeah. logan just stopped in the middle of it he's like this doesn't feel right man we're not gonna build the connections we need if we have this fucking camera here i don't want the camera here right mm. now i want to do this for real i want to go talk to people i want to fucking feel this shit and i want to give them money i don't want this camera here and so they put the camera away and they walk around Walmart. They're trying to find the right candidates. They go just... put all the money back in their house and they're like, Hey, we gave it all away. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway, they're, so then all of a sudden fast forward, the camera cuts to after they're done. They, they must've just had an interaction with a few people. And Mike Malek was crying and he, he walked over to, and I, it's rare that you see him this serious, but he walked up to Logan was like, man, he's like, I have to thank you. Like I needed to be put in check there. I was trying to get content and I just thought that the way that I was doing it was the right way and I was going to film this. But he's like, man, like he's like, you're a veteran in YouTube. And he's like, I'm so glad that you checked me and called me out on that because now he's like, we had genuine connections. They made a whole family cry because as they were talking about it, when it was done, the family came back to them and were like, hey, could we get like our, our three kids want to get a photo with you Santa Clauses? And, um, apparently the family that they had talked to in Walmart had just lost his job last Friday. They had three kids. You could tell they were like just a normal family, but they, they were stressed out around the holidays. Like a lot of people are, you don't have money, but you got kids. They want presents. Their friends are getting presents. You got to fucking fork over money. You don't have. So they gave the whole bag to them. And like the family was just in tears, man. But you could see it was like this genuine thing just because Logan was like, put the fucking camera away. Let's yeah. do this for real. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool to have like a, like a friend there, just someone who's willing to be like, this doesn't need to be recorded. Yeah. Let's just do this the good old fashioned way. And yeah. We'll talk about it after. Yeah. And Mike was so thankful that they did it that wow. way. Yeah. It was kind of cool, man. It's cool when you see those Hollywood people, uh, just really famous, really rich, successful to just be like, look, let's be people for once. Yeah. This isn't about content. Let's go give some money out. Yeah. Like that's dope. That's sweet. Yeah. I seen a video kind of similar to that recently where, it, it was some sort of a Muslim country, but there were these homeless kind of like older men who would just be sitting on the street with whatever, all their belongings they had just sitting there. And someone would walk up with like a giant bag of just like pre-made like meals and they would like kind of sneak up behind them and just like set it there and walk away. So the person mm. didn't even know. Wow. And the camera would stay on them and they would like eventually look behind and be like, what the fuck? And like look around and take it and pull out all the food wow. and they look around and just start like praying and stuff. And, oh, wow. and like, I was that's just dope, like getting man. the chills. I'm like, man. And it was just one of those videos that's like, you know, like the, the good side of humanity or right. something. And I love that shit, man. I, yeah. I genuinely, even when like, I still agree with what Mike said. Like when you film it, I still love it, man. It shit can be like, make you just feel warm and fuzzy inside. Like if you have like a camera, like far away and you're not right in their face and somebody's doing something really nice for someone, whether they're homeless or whatever, yeah. helping an old lady across the street, yeah. bro. I love those videos. Yeah. It makes me feel good. Totally. Right. You know, and it's good that they initially wanted to check like uh, the, the worthy people i, I right. suppose you could say because right obviously steve will do it does that kind of thing all the time gives out money and most of the time like let's say it's a little fruit hut and this little family is running it in whatever mexico he'll go out and he'll give them like hundreds of dollars and they're like so thankful again they're like right. in tears they can't believe it 
but there was this one hut that they went to and the the person like he he it's like mexico there's like no money and steve gives them like five grand like american or something and the person like took it and stuffed it in their pocket and they knew what was going on and they're like uh and they were trying to like hustle more money out of steve mm-hmm. and they didn't even say thanks wow and i can't remember exactly what they're doing with they were being like really rude of just asking for more and oh no because they were going to give him something for like, you know, 10 pesos. And he's like, here's five grand American. Is that okay? Like, is that enough? Right. And they just took it and they're like, oh, and like, here's this hat. And they're like, it's, it's 10,000 American. Oh man. And, and Steve's like, are you, like, are you serious? <laughs> wow. they're like, yeah, 10,000. And, and they're just like, fuck this guy. They're like, yeah. this guy is a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the first people that Logan and Mike uh, rolled up on, it was like a family looking for a Christmas tree. And they, they offered them the money and the, the one, the mom was like, Hey, I'll tell you guys what, I don't know what channel this is on. I don't know what you guys are doing to this video, but she's like, we don't need it. Go give it to someone who needs it. She's like, we're all right. We'll buy our own Christmas tree. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was pretty dope. Yeah. Just cool, man. It gives you like hope for humanity. There's some like nice, genuine people out there. You yeah. Know? yeah. If they don't need the money. Don't give me the money. Yeah. We're all right. On to another topic. Yeah. There's some people that aren't nice and genuine out there. Who's that? <laughs> uh, little segue. So I don't know if you've seen this. Um, there was a, an article of this teenager was being cyberbullied for like a year. And they found out that the person who appeared to be a, like a peer um, was actually her mother who was cyberbullying her. Okay, say it again. So the, 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 the mother was cyberbullying her own kid her daughter with like a fake account account? like bullying them and like tormenting them for a year i'm just gonna pull it up just so i can so a michigan woman was arrested after targeting two teenagers in a year-long catfish plan where she cyber bullied and harassed them on social media um charged on two counts of stalking minor two counts of using computer to commit a crime and one count of obstruction of justice basically it was the her daughter and her boyfriend and the mom had this fake account and was just harassing them for a year and like threatening them and bullying them and they finally linked the ip address to her mother wow. and uh, her mother like finally admitted it and all this stuff and like what what is that about <laughs> like in today's day and age isn't that messed up it's really messed up can you imagine up, doing that to your daughter your life it's insane because, like, if you don't like the way your daughter is, it's probably your fault because you're a shitty parent. And then what? You're like, what's your goal to to bully her to the point where they commit suicide? Yeah. So that you can rid yourself of your m- mistake. Like, that's insane, man. People are fucking rotten, man. Could you imagine brushing your teeth in the mirror at night, knowing that your 13 year old daughter that you are like tormenting, tormenting her, bullying her? under this secret fake account and you look at yourself and you like it just shows me how much pain that woman is in oh yeah i don't even know what to say like welcome to 2022 it's just the most rotten behavior man yeah like you think about how vulnerable and innocent kids are and how many of them commit suicide because of cyberbullying or just getting yeah bullied on social media you know because you can never escape it right like that's the whole thing it's like Exactly. In our day and age, like when we grew up, there was no social media. People got bullied in school, but then when you get, you went home, you were safe. Like you could hang out with your friends, your family, like you were protected. Now you get bullied in school in person. You go home, you open your phone up and they're calling you names, sending you DMs, making videos of you. Yeah. It just never ends, man. Yeah. And to, for it to be your mother, that daughter will never trust anyone again. 
Yeah. Like your own mother betrayed you or your own father. Like, fuck. Man. And like, think about as a parent, the, the, the love you would have for your kid. Like it, that becomes your life. You just want to protect them. She and has so no to, oxytocin. Yeah. So to do that, it shows you what kind of a state you're in and like how just fucked up you are, you know? Um, Moving on to something else. That was just a little yeah. little topic I see now. I was like, what the fuck? Messed up. Um, did, did you end up listening to Boss Rutten on PBD or not? A little bit. Okay, I just want to share this story because I found this story fascinating. I don't know if you heard it or not. Um, Sugar Ray Robinson, the boxer, way back, way back in the day. He, um, did, does it sound familiar yet? Uh, no. Okay. So he had a fight against this guy. What was his name? Um, Jimmy Doyle. And it was like 1946 way back in the day. And he had a dream a day or two before the fight that he killed the, he was fighting this guy and he threw a left hook and he killed him. So he, he went to the pastor the day before the fight and was like, I can't fight this guy. Like I had a dream. I hit him with a left hook and kill him. I, I, and the pastor's like, what are you talking about? He's like, like, I, I don't want to fight this guy. Like, his dream felt so real. Whatever. He ends up fighting him. Hits him with a left hook, knocks him down. He ends up going to the hospital after he dies. Mm. And um, I, like, I, I guess there's video of Sugar Ray Robinson telling this story. And he's just like crying and stuff. Because this, this Jimmy Doyle guy who was fighting, his plan once he won this fight was to buy his mama house. And so um, Sugar Ray Robinson had so much guilt that he ended up the next four fights he had he gave all of the proceeds to this jimmy doyle guy's mom wow. but um how messed up is that did you have have you seen the fight no i wonder if it's surfacing right now because of that podcast because i i, I watched a clip it was an old school boxer and uh the the ref the ref let it go for way too long. This guy was being held up by the ropes. Like he, his body was trying oh. to shut down, but he kept getting like hit and bouncing off the ropes. Bro, he took probably 15 to 20 shots that he shouldn't have taken. Oh my God. Like, bro, you could see he was like, it was just boom, boom. So like his head up. was rattling. The ref was like kind of about to jump in, but he kept backing off. People were screaming at the ref. <sighs> and like the comments were like, that ref should absolutely be in jail. But then anyway, I, I read one of the comments and were like, um, the sad thing was, is what happened to that fighter after this fight. And then people were like, yeah, he died after this fight. Mm, so I wonder if that was, I wonder if maybe, that was it. Maybe. Can you, can you, like, a ref, a ref's decision to stop a fight can be a matter of life and death for that fighter. For sure. Th think about that. I've seen that in the UFC so many times where the person knocks, gets knocked out, they fall, nail their head on the ground, and the person comes and lands three more bombs yeah. to the jaw to, of this unconscious person. And it's like, what if that ref would have stepped in two punches earlier? That whole person's life could could change it's pretty crazy man like that the number one thing for the ref is to protect the fighter and i think sometimes they they maybe forget that like they maybe they get caught in the moment or maybe they think too much about the entertainment they're like oh people want to see a ko <laughs> even though like in the in the live thing you're like this fighter's done like there's no coming back from this the guy's stumbling all over the place like but maybe they're like i'm just gonna i'm gonna let him go out and it's hard to, I mean, if I refed a hundred fights, I'm sure there'd be at least a couple 100%. times where I screwed it up and stopped it too early or stopped it too late. Yeah. But it's just, it's crazy that the amount of influence you have as a ref in that decision. It's a big job, man. But it's with regards to 
Sugar Ray Robinson in that. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's completely just a coincidence, or do you think there's some connection to consciousness? Consciousness. <laughs> just <laughs> they do the gay side of me saying yeah. consciousness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like Mike Tyson. Consciousness. Um, is there some sort of a connection to consciousness, life, death? That like, do you believe in that, or do you think that that's just coincidence? I mean, that's a fucking insane coincidence, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, if that is a coincidence, that is insane. Like, you just happen to have a dream about you hitting someone with a left hook, killing them, and then you hit them with the left hook and kill them. That's fucking insane. Like, and, is that and, and, not a sign of something? Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that's a sign from somewhere. And it's, it wasn't just a faint dream. It was enough that the day before your fight, you went and had a meeting with a pastor. Right. And said, look. That this... pastor's probably like, fuck. <laughs> I'm just like being like, it's a dumb dream, man. Just go over there and fight. Yeah. being a fucking bitch. Yeah. Um, here's why I, I believe that there is some sort of a weird connection to something we don't understand. I, and I might have told you this, but I had something similar. And actually, my mom even had something kind of similar to this, but I won't get into to her story but um and maybe i won't even give out names um anyways year ago two couple years ago i had a dream that somebody that i know i was i had a vivid dream that i was laying in bed and somebody i know was at the end of the bed and they were reaching towards me and they had a look of suffering on their face, almost as if they were gasping for air. And they were trying to reach me and grab me and they were all like floating. And I was framing against them and pushing away and saying, they're trying to get help. You're shrimping and just <laughs> like framing out on them. <laughs> and, um, like, no, Ryan, I need you. You're like, Fuck, you know, no, this is my defense. <laughs> and so, and I remember it being a scary dream and I was like pushing away and being like, you're, you're I was saying their name and saying, whoever you're scaring me stop stop you're scaring me like and just pushing away and I woke up and I told my girlfriend about it it was enough that I was even gonna call my parents and say how is this person doing because I just had this messed up dream about them and you know how a lot of times you'll have a dream because of something you thought you thought about the person that day or maybe you've seen a picture of them pop up on Facebook that day or you called them two days ago. So it makes sense that they would be in your dream. But the dream I had of this person, I don't have dreams of them. Couldn't remember the last time I did. I didn't talk to them any time recently. I hadn't seen a picture of them any time recently. I haven't, just no reason for me to dream of this person suffering and reaching towards me for help. So... Yeah, I told my girlfriend this. I didn't tell my parents because I was like, I don't want to come off as like, hey, I'm a psychic. How's this person doing? And they're like, they're doing fine. Like, you don't have any connection to the afterlife. I'm sorry, son. <laughs> so I just didn't say anything to my parents to freak them out and be negative. Um, so that day that I woke up, nothing happened. The next day, my mom texted me and said, hey, this person just had a heart attack. They're, on, they're being ambulance to the hospital and then they had a stroke. It's not looking too good. And then the following day, this person died. Mm. And hmm. I know that that happened. Like, I, th that's just not a made-up thing. And 
to me, that's not a coincidence just because of like, I thought about it from every angle. There's no reason that I had that dream. And so it's like, like, what the fuck is life and consciousness and death? And what is this like? Dude, it's, it's such a trip. Like, as you're saying that I've been thinking lately, you know how I was talking about, like I was, you know, I've been like, um, practicing praying like the other day I've, I felt, I felt almost uncomfortable praying. Like, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is like, kind of like just stupid. And I even, I was even talking to God, like, to try to like, this is dumb that I'm having a fucking conversation with you. Show yourself, you idiot. Like I was legitimately being like, why are you making it impossible for people to believe in you? Like, how do I have faith with no sign? Exactly. Yeah. No sign. But I'm like, but then that type of stuff. And like, there's just certain things that you're just like, why do, but it, like at the same time, I'm like mad at this God or this source. I'm also like, but why do I feel compelled to believe in something that is bigger than just this reality? Like, I feel like there's something bigger than this. And so when I hear dreams like yours or the, the other one, I'm like, there's something spiritual about this life. There's something bigger than just what we see in this reality. I don't know what it is, but maybe that's why I'm like, why I started praying is because like intuitively, I feel like there's something there, but it, but I'm also like conflicted with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, man. The it, unknowns of life. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, I don't know if certain, like this is like a, I don't know if certain people are more intuitive than others or like more in tune with these senses that maybe the average person can't grasp. I'm not saying I am like, I don't normally feel that way besides like an experience like this dream. But, um, like I, Truthfully, do you believe in psychics? And here's the not, thing. Not in the sense of like, n no, I, I, the only way I believe in them is if they, ha if there's like a dream or something like that, then, then may maybe they had some kind of weird vision from some kind of higher power or just something happened in their mind in a dream that gave them a glimpse of something that was going to happen. But I don't believe it in, in the sense of like, if you sit down with a psychic and you ask them, how am I going to die? Uh, what's the winning lottery ticket? What's the weather going to be like a week from now? I don't think that they can just predict that. But I do think there are people that, for whatever reason, have a better antenna at gathering information yeah. from this invisible energy yeah. like I, I feel like they can just just like ideas right yeah. you get ideas floating in your head i think some people walk around like this this antenna that just pulls in information that i maybe i can't get or maybe other people can't mm -hmm. so i think there are people that are a little bit more in tune yeah with that type of world and it's like any industry 90 percent of the people are phony or for sure and then there's some people that are truly have that antenna right because i remember watching this documentary a while ago and it was kind of cases like this like psychic type cases and there's some kids that have no re they don't have that snake oil salesman gene in them yet they're innocent kids but there's this kid who you know the mom would be like who are you talking to in your room and they were saying oh it's a you know uh John Kennedy, he stopped by and later Martha said she was going to come too. And this mom's like, what the fuck is my three-year-old or my four-year-old talking about? Mm -hmm. This is scary. And anyways, they, they, um, their kid keeps having this weird behavior where he's, he's normal. He's fine. But he's saying that 
he's talking, like, she hears him in his room talking, and he's saying that these names that are like, who are they, where is he getting these from? Like, they're not from the kids' shows he watches this and that. They end up doing, like, a history search on their house, because it's, like, a hundred-year-old home, and apparently it was, like, in a war-ridden kind of area, and they found out the history of, like, two or three generations ago, and these names here, he was, was saying were real people that had, like, died in this county. Wow. And they're like, there's no way he would know these names. Wow. So the afterlife, like, there's some connection. Yeah. There's some sense that he has tuned into and these people are actually... Jeez. And, and so when I hear and see things like that, I'm like, man, there is some people that have this sensitivity, maybe from a child, like, right. maybe they're just chosen from some sense, but... There's some there's something weird out there and we just don't understand it, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, we've talked about it like crazy. We don't need to get in too much, but j- like if you've done heavy psychedelics before, that type of stuff that what we're talking about doesn't seem so crazy. Yeah. But if you've never done them before or maybe you've never had any kind of spiritual experience, then it it's can be quite foreign. But if you've dived into that world like when you did the mushrooms and you went to the moon and back, or I did DMT yeah. and talked to like alien beings. Like yeah. those are not humans and they were communicating with me. There was something there. I, I didn't feel like I was tripping out. I felt like I was there for real. And it's like that type of shit makes me think that there is something that we don't understand, but it's there. We just don't understand it. It's <laughs> funny. Let's say you tell a story of like how you tripped and talked to an alien on a psychedelic or something. Somebody who's never done anything, they'd be like, you're fucking tripping. That's ridiculous. Like, right. I don't ever want to do that drug. That's scary. You're fucked up. Right. It's messed up to say. And if you've done a drug like that and you've had an experience, you've kind of like tipped your head above the surface of what the average person sees. And you've had an experience like this and you're like, holy shit, life is crazy. Nothing is as we think it is. There's so much more to this. And then you, you go back to life. Right. And you hear that same story from someone talking to aliens and you're, you might not understand it, but you're like... Okay, like, I can yeah. see that. Like, makes sense. I believe yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, it's like we're pretty profound shit can happen in those states. Like, again, we talked about Bradley Martin, how it's like when he did ayahuasca, it like literally was like holding him saying, like, it's not your fault that your dad died. Like, there's not a th- there's not a therapist there. Where are those ideas and thoughts coming from? It's like it's the same thing that happens in your dream that was having that you know, that person crawling up your bed and you're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, it's almost that same thing. Like when you're dreaming and you're getting that information and then when you do a psychedelic, you almost go to that same place. And I don't know where that place is. I don't know what it is. Well, you you think about it, like your alien experience, dimethyltryptamine, DMT, what's being produced when we sleep in our pineal gland, DMT. So it's like, maybe that connection comes from this, from this chemical that's produced in these separate in these conscious in these unconscious states you know it's interesting man going deep yeah it's interesting yeah life is crazy i have mushrooms and i might do them this weekend but we'll see i was telling you if you have those do them let's get some content let's i know go. <laughs> yeah i probably will soon but yeah. anyway yeah wrap this up or what yeah let's wrap it up episode 90 yeah we're at 90 man we'll have to um we got to do something big for 100 yeah i don't know what yeah, me neither, but that's... we got to think of something. That's pretty huge, man. Yeah. This... uh Try crack cocaine for the first time. I think like March-ish, March or April will be two years of us doing this, Damn. so that's pretty crazy. I'll get a tattoo of a mic on me somewhere. I'll get a tattoo. I'll get a tattoo. Sweet. Yeah. 
All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Episode 90. Episode 90. <laughs>